Hello everyone and welcome to Autism Stories. I'm your host Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people and others in the autism community to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. Maya Angelou said once that music was her refuge. And music can certainly be a refuge to so many of us. However, for autistic people, music isn't always taught in a way that works for them based on their learning styles. On this episode of Autism Stories, we talk with Hannah Petrie about her music studio and how to best support autistic people in learning to sing or to play an instrument. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Hannah, thanks so much for joining Autism Stories. Thank you. Wanted to start out and learn where does your story in the autism community begin? Now, you've been teaching private music lessons for over a decade now. Where did kind of that music bug uh, initially hit you? That music bug has always been there. (laughs) When I was growing up, I loved the movie Anastasia. I was always singing to the songs. I had my Anastasia outfit that my mom was trying so hard to pry off of me. (laughs) But I would wear it all the time and I'd sing. And then I really liked Barney, and I was the Barney fanatic. I was always watching Barney and holding the Barney and singing all the time. And my family just said that as I was growing up, I was always singing and just loving music. I was listening to music. I was singing to the music. And then in sixth grade, I took a piano. I had an old piano in my basement and was just starting to kind of fiddle around with it and I was learning some things by myself and then my parents realized that I was bugging them (laughs) playing piano all the time especially on our old clinky gross piano in the basement so they were like I think we need to get her into piano lessons (laughs) so they did get me into piano lessons and then in um, sixth grade, I was also introduced 
to the clarinet and marching band and symphonic band. So I was learning two instruments at once and singing. And I just realized at that young age of 11, I wanted to be a musician for the rest of my life. And that I wanted to just share my love for music with other people. Now, last year you founded a business, Diatonic Music, that's dedicated to providing customized lessons, lesson plans to fit the needs of neurodiverse students. I've talked with many entrepreneurs here on Autism Stories, and, and many times they've talked about how self-employment's been a great option for them compared to traditional employment. How would you compare the experience of self-employment versus traditional employment for you? There are pros and cons to each kind of employment. When I did have traditional employment, I did have the set schedule of hours that I was expected to work. I did really appreciate that because I'm a very schedule-oriented, organized kind of person. I also liked learning new skills and trying new things. And I did come in contact with a lot of people that were coworkers that I actually appreciated working with. And even though I did have some struggles with management and authority figures, I did learn a lot of valuable skills being in the workforce in the traditional environment of doing your basic W-2 job where you go and you have a set schedule of hours and tasks and you fulfill them. I really like the self-employment avenue because I get to choose my own hours. I get to choose my own schedule. I get to choose who I want to work with and who I don't. I get to have all this freedom to design my own rules, my own policies, my own morals that I abide by. It's all up to me, and I really, really enjoy that, especially because right now I am passionate about working with the neurodiverse community who are just like me and completely different from me. And if I were to teach in a regular studio, a what I call the W2 studio, where you go, you have your set hours, and you teach the students they want you to teach, I'm, I would be teaching some students that I would really, really enjoy working with, and let's face it, some that I may not be a student to work with. So doing the self-employment avenue just gives me all this freedom to choose my own path, and I get to really revel in it and just be passionate about what I do and bring energy and passion and creativity to my job every day. You were mentioning about um, you're able to create your own, own schedule, which I love as an entrepreneur myself. Uh, I was wondering for you with creating your own schedule, like on days when your energy or spoons are low, how helpful something like that is. Super helpful because even though, um, even though it's not really often that I would cancel my schedule or change a lot of things immediately, it's just good to know that I'm in control. I'm in full control of what I get to do that day. So if I'm just having a really low day, I had a meltdown because, you know, I just have a lot of things going on and there's just a lot of stress or there's a lot of um, tension or anxiety. I get to do my meditation techniques, do my anxiety techniques, and then I get to look at my situation and say, man, 
I'm really glad today, though, that I have the opportunity to work with people that I want to work with and do the work that I love doing, which is teaching music to people that are also neurodiverse, so that we can all become a little more confident and empowered in our neurodiversity. And I think of that overall goal that I'm trying to um, do, my mission statement, which is that, and I realize, okay, you know, this is, this is what I'm going to do today. This is a, you know, this is an opportunity that I get to be closer in stepping towards that goal. And when I look at the big picture, the small picture seems to kind of fade a bit into the background. And then I have the energy to do what I love doing, which is teaching. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in so many areas of learning, neurodiverse students' needs probably aren't, aren't met. So thinking about music lessons, what are some of the challenges you see for neurodiverse learners? I see quite a few challenges. You know, being different, obviously, we know as neurodiverse individuals that we can oftentimes see, think, feel, and just do things that are different from the neurotypical world. And oftentimes, neurotypicals are wonderful people but they just don't understand us because we are not them and they are not us. So oftentimes the neurodiverse student has much different ways of looking at things and the neurotypical simply doesn't understand how that neurodiverse person might see that. There might also be sensitivities or aversions to certain things that the neurodiverse individual might have that the neurotypical does not have And they don't really understand because, again, they're not really neurodiverse. They just don't understand that kind of world. And they don't really empathize fully with that world like the neurodiverse teacher might empathize with the students. One of the biggest things that I hear from a lot of my students and parents when they sign on for lessons is, wow, I'm really excited to just be able to tell you everything about me or my child And you get it. You get that my kid sometimes has the meltdowns. You get that my kid can't deal with these bright colors all the time. You get that my kid might need the bright colors to stimulate their brain and to be able to engage all those areas of the brain for their learning and be able to soak in the information. You get that my kid may not be able to look at you when you're teaching them. You get that my student might need to take a break for a minute in the lesson and then come back. And no other teacher seems to really understand fully those things and then be able to work with that because they see the student as this completely different person that just has these really different needs that they don't understand. Whereas me as a neurodiverse teacher, I look at the situation and I say, I get it. (laughs) Sometimes I need to walk away. Sometimes I need to do things that are a little bit differently. And, you know, how about we try a few different things here? to see if this might work. So there's these things that neurodiverse teachers often have more empowerment with with the neurodiverse community that the neurotypical teachers simply don't. And that's not to say that neurotypical teachers are bad at all. I had a few neurotypical music teachers and I have enjoyed working with them. But you know, for a lot of the neurodiverse community, they need somebody who really understands how they work and how they feel, how they're thinking, and what they're going to do, 
and be able to work with those and just roll with the punches and do what works best with the student. Now, thinking about some of the benefits of music, and there's really probably, there, there's so many. We can go on all day, all week about, I think, all the different benefits of music. Yes. How, <laughs> however, what are some of the most impactful things that you've seen in regards to how music's in, um, been beneficial to your students? One of the things that I see is the most important is that students are just more confident. When I'm working with my students, young and old, there's just this confidence that emerges when they are able to not only learn a good, valuable, and tedious skill like music, but be able to just be themselves and not be criticized and not be judged, not be condemned, not be, um, you know, not feel like they're not enough. When they are at diatonic music, these students feel like they are just confident and empowered people that are beautiful just the way they are, and they get to express their beautiful neurodiversity through music. And that is the entire goal of what I do and what I want my studio to be is this place where people can come as they are, as their neurodiverse selves, and just grow into a better version of themselves. That way they can have positive impact on society just as they are. What about like in terms of kind of regulating themselves throughout the day? How have you seen music been helpful with that? Well, music in general does regulate a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> because Music is working all the areas of the brain, and it is the only activity that you can do that works all the areas of the brain. So naturally, with all those areas working in a really strange way, they don't just simply operate on their own. They operate and start to come together. That's the really cool thing about music, and especially learning a musical instrument and taking lessons. You are teaching yourself, and an instructor is teaching you how to do things that are actually really regulated and really um, mundane in some ways. You're learning how to count. You're learning your notes. You're learning how to find your notes. You're learning what those notes look like on paper. You're learning how to read. You're learning how to write. You're learning how to listen. You're learning how to connect with all those things. You're learning how to feel the music and feel the beats, feel the pitches feel all that stuff working together you're able to regulate volume because you learn things like dynamics playing loud playing soft you learn other um symbols of music too you're almost learning a different language when you learn music because you're learning what all these different symbols and words mean and so when you're doing all those things together again it's it's morphing all those areas of your brain that are working at the same time and it's putting them in this collective motion. And that is why every student that takes lessons long-term sees improvements in things like your cognitive function, your fine motor skills, your educational development, your teamwork, your accountability, your expression, your creativity. All those different things are just working at the same time. And, you know, that's obviously a whole conversation in and of itself of how that happens. But when all those things happen, you just start getting a more refined version of yourself. You feel like you're a little more in control because you're like, man, 
my brain is doing all these things at once and it's actually not falling apart. <laughs> and, you know, when you're doing that, your brain is strengthening. You're getting more skills. You're getting more value. And you just feel so much better because of that. Do you, do you feel like that's, it helps people to become a more authentic version of themselves? Totally. You know, just like anyone else, you know, there's, um, you can look at a painting, for instance. There's paintings that, you know, people come across, especially like ancient paintings, ancient artwork. And you look at the painting and you think, oh my gosh, this thing is absolutely beautiful. But I don't really understand what this is. I don't really know. You know, there's a bunch of dirt and stuff on this. And I, I really don't know the full story of this picture here. But let's go and take it to you know, um, an architect or somebody who's doing, you know, some kind of like the architectural digs and stuff like that, you know, let's take it to a professional who understands what this might be and who can clean this up and show us what this beautiful picture, what this beautiful uh, painting, portrait, sketch means. And then when you get that cleaned up, right, you're like, oh my gosh, that's so cool, you know, wow, this is what that means, and look at all the details, look at all this fine artwork, wow, this is incredible. I think every individual is just like that, especially the neurodiverse community. We are all people that are absolutely beautiful and wonderfully created, and we are perfect just the way we are. However, sometimes we have a lot of things that just get in the way, of being able to be our truest, best selves. And so when you do something like music lessons, it really is one fun way of just kind of scratching off that dirt and that grime that might be in there preventing you from really being your best self. And then when you are taking lessons for a while and you're just having a lot of fun with it and you see these um, values and these benefits of music lessons, you just start to feel a lot more confident and empowered and you start seeing the portrait that's really there, that beautiful, vibrant, amazing portrait of neurodiversity that each person has that's extremely unique to each person. And it's the coolest thing ever to see because it's not changing who the person is. It's not making them not neurodiverse and making them normal. It's making them just see and step into their truest identity and be their truest and best self. And that's what the world needs. The world doesn't need people that are neurodiverse and ashamed of who they are. The world needs people who are wonderfully awesome the way they are that tap into their uniqueness and make a positive impact on society. Now, in doing research to talk with you today, I found out that besides being a music teacher for several years, you have been a magician's assistant, which, yes. which was really interesting to me because I have very fond memories of as a child. I think I was about seven or eight. My grandmother um, took me to see David Copperfield uh, live um, in New York City. So I was wondering, uh, what's been uh, your favorite magic trick to perform? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have been a magician's assistant.
did for eight years, and I have worked with different magic companies. I currently work with Extreme Magic Company, and of course, due to the pandemic, a lot of our shows have been stopped for a while, and we are definitely navigating some paths to getting back on the stage when it is safe to do so. One of the best illusions that I've ever been a part of was what we called the fire cage. So in the fire cage, the entire cage is set on fire. And then three assistants come out, one of them being me, and we appear from the fire cage. And it is so much fun because there's so much work that went into learning how to do that and how to do that safely. But it was exciting because when you look at a video of this or you um, see this illusion and hopefully we get to perform it again at some point and, <laughs> and I can share that with people, but it just looks like the coolest thing because it looks like this cage is like on fire and somehow in the midst of it, three women pop out and are completely fine and okay. <laughs> Now, you're someone I think that's definitely followed your passion or your special interests. What advice would you give to other autistics or their family members why this is such an important thing to do? Yeah, I would say this is something that everybody should do, regardless of whether you're neurodiverse or not. Every single person is wired in a very unique way. And they have unique strengths and purposes and passions. And all those things together can create a positive impact on society and especially in your communities. If you tell an individual that loves the medical field that they're being a little too crazy and they're a little too obsessed and that they should maybe tone down those things, you're stifling their passion to maybe one day be a doctor or a nurse or a medical assistant. And we already know that those things dramatically change lives and many times for the better. We often see certain fields and certain passions as more important than others or more useful than others. However, I think we can all understand that if we take anyone's particular passion away and you take enough people's passion that's suited kind of towards that area away from them, you're losing an entire subject of things that you could learn a lot about. If you take away somebody's love for elephants, you might be taking away their desire to do more research on elephants and to save the elephants. You might be taking someone's passion away if they have the passion for building Legos all the time. You might be stifling an individual's architectural skills and you might be stifling their ability to one day maybe build a building or a city or a resort so you just have no idea what you're doing when you are stifling somebody's passion and that passion that they have can always be used for something even greater than themselves even if it's just simply a hobby it's bringing them joy it's bringing them happiness and in many cases, it can bring a contribution to society and be a very active and vibrant career path for the individual. So when you stifle these things, you're essentially stifling what could be a really valuable path for them to take that makes a positive impact. To do that is just not a good thing at all. I think a better 
option to looking at somebody's special interest is how can I let the individual flourish in their special interests while also recognizing that there are other things that do need to be attended to, like you got to clean your room, you got to eat your food, you got to get a shower, you know, things like that so that you are saying, listen, your special interest is amazing and I love that about you. We also have to do these things too so that, you know, we can be a more well-rounded individual. Let's come up with a way to do that. Well... Hannah, I really appreciate your your passion and sharing your knowledge with us today. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks so much to Hannah for the conversation. To learn more about Hannah and diatonic music, check out the link in the podcast description for this episode. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also really appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. On the next episode of Autism Stories, we will talk with Andrew Arbeau about strategies on making driving less overwhelming for autistics. Talk to you then.